It is such a joy to be here. Every time I come here, you guys are like family now. Can I use your toothbrush? (laughs) My wife's like, even in our family, you can't use our toothbrush. Oh my goodness! Well, we've got some. Uh, uh, we we I don't have our typical uh, table with uh, different uh, teaching tools and things like that, but we do have a special offer for you guys. We do have a few things back there. Um, this uh, conference uh, that we just did um, this past April uh, in Champaign, uh, More Love, More Power, 2016. This was with Jackie Pollinger, Alan, and Catherine Scott from Ireland. Uh, from Northern Ireland, and then also Mark Marks is on here, Diane Lehman, Putty uh, Putnam, I'm looking to see, make sure I named everybody, yes, and um, this was a really powerful conference, this, is, uh, this, this, this particular conference back in April was completely sold out, we have the next one coming up uh, next year too, I believe we're doing it, I think we're doing it in April as well, if I remember correctly, and it's uh, myself and Sean Bowles will be there. Um, and Sean and I will be in the, um, you guys know who Sean is? Everybody knows who Sean is? Okay. Sean and I will be in the next, uh, in Darren's next movie together too. So he's a, he's a great guy. You know, here's a little bit of trivia for you. He, he grew up in the vineyard at Anaheim, uh, Anaheim Vineyard. He grew up, uh, he was, Carl Tuttle was his, uh, baptized him as a boy. And, uh, you can kind of tell if you watch how his style of prophetic ministry, but anyway, um, uh, Sean's just an incredible guy, but he's not in this disc set, but he'll be in the next conference. Uh, my book, Identity Thief, we have back there, um, just explaining how that, you know, the enemy has stolen all of our identities and sort of how to take that back and to see that reinstated. And then also, we've got a special offer that we're offering uh, you guys, and um, this is to help with... Uh, this is to help with a couple of Middle East trips that I'm trying to make right now. Uh, but we've, we're offering two copies to get two copies of Do What Jesus Did for 20 bucks, And that's for you. And I know you're thinking, well, I can't read two of them, but you can give one away. And so uh, we're, we're making that as a special offer. Um, and again, that's to uh, help us with some of that. We also have the USB drives back there and those things. Uh, this is Jeremy Henderson. He's a new face for you guys, but nef- definitely not a new face for me. He uh, is my uh, traveling with me as a PA and amazing guy. Anybody need deliverance? Go to Jeremy. He's like a wizard at it. Just, I mean... So talented in that area. <laughs> no, he's an amazing, uh, amazing gift uh, to me. Um, I, I'm really torn with where I, where I want to go tonight. Uh, there's several things that I'm just that's kind of brewing in my uh, heart to share with you guys, especially after Van shared with me just uh, uh, what you guys have been looking into uh, as a church and. Uh, I would so want to build off of off of that and, and kind of go into that. And so, um, if you would, uh, if you've got your Bibles, you turn to Second Chronicles uh, eighteen. And um, okay, I tell you what, go just go to Second Chronicles twenty. We'll start there. I'll, I'll just I'll talk about eighteen, and that way we can uh, cover a little bit. I think we can cover a little bit more space that way. But, you know, in talking about being a, a prophetic community and sort of uh, stepping into that, there's several things. And, and I'm going to give you this. This is classic 
of me in the sense that I, I that this is not a, a prepared talk in any way, uh, but some things that I just want to share with you from the heart in doing that, and and some things that I found that have been so significant. And what, what we are faced with currently in the church, in a lot of uh, prophetic people that are increasing, which is great. It's a prophetic word, uh, you know, from Acts that uh, there's going to be your sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams. And so um, there, there's all of that. And we're in a reality, I think, of increased levels of prophetic ministry and insight, spiritual insight. Uh, more than ever before. And I think that's an extremely exciting, exciting thing. Um, and, and because this is a prophetic thing, I just want to start off by telling you right here, right now, who will be the next president of the United States. You laugh. You ready? Someone who will disappoint you. At some point, (laughs) jot that down. (laughs) Remember, you heard it here. (laughs) I promise you that is a prophetic word that will be fulfilled. No matter who becomes president of the United States, I can guarantee it. You know, and part of it is, is to say, because we're taking a look in this passage, we're taking a look at two kings and two different kingly approaches Uh, To the voice of God. You know what I mean? And that is not necessarily what I would say is indicative of our nation right now. As far as in the political field. What we have to keep in mind. Is that the solution for our country. Isn't in who sits in the Oval Office in the United States. The hope of world transformation. And the hope of our country. Is in Christ in you. And in us living out a kingdom perspective and a kingdom understanding and living out what God has called us to be. Um, we can get so distracted and it's so frustrating and just heartbreaking to see how we as the church get so distracted, distracted by looking to others as being our hope, as being those who are going to come in and bring uh, transformation. And then we actually abdicate the true power by doing so. Because that, 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 that power is not going to come through government. What will impact government through what we have seen through the great awakenings in our history is when there is a massive move of God, stirring of God, awakening of the spirit of the people of God, stepping into the reality of God and the kingdom of God. That is what stirs and moves and motivates government, not the other way around. And so looking at that as being the one hindrance of God blessing our country, I think is complete fallacy. And people, and when people step into this, and this is a teaching thing. This isn't just a, you know, me sort of giving just my thoughts, you know. But here's the thing is when all of a sudden we, and what happens is you always see in these types of times sort of an Old Testament prophetic voice that rises up out of the church of we're headed for destruction, we're headed for a curse, we're headed for this and this, regardless of who, who they're talking about. And that is not what is beneficial because that is playing, that's almost like playing the devil at his own game. Because why? That's tearing down somebody else to say, well, they're not this, therefore I am that. And that, that's a mistake. 
Because what does the scripture say to us about our enemies? What are we supposed to do with them? Love them. Pray for them. Reach out. Give them a glass of cold water in the name of the Lord. And so coming into this perspective of of sort of going down that road and thinking that's somehow going to make things improve or somehow make things, I think is a massive distraction for the church. It gets us off course from stopping and really saying, Lord, what are you doing? What are you wanting? And how can I be involved with, man, in the midst of all that, we could lose track that our, that our atheist neighbor right now is in crisis and needs to hear a word from God and needs to hear that Jesus loves them. And we're consumed with, uh, you know, being glued to the television and looking at what's happening. I mean, that is really the the case within our nation. And I believe that always boils down to distractions. Here's the thing. 95% of warfare that goes on in yours and my life are distractions. It is distracting us from purpose that God has called us to. It is distracting us from from something that the Lord has, has called us to be. And all of a sudden we get derailed because of the warfare and the warfare then becomes the thing of our full attention rather than the purpose and the work of God's kingdom. And then it depletes our energy, our time, our attention. It, it just, we, it gets, it, we get depleted and because we get pulled away. And that is exactly why the enemy brings that type of warfare is to get our eyes onto circumstances and off of God and off of the voice of the Lord. And so what happens is, is too, and we've had this as an epidemic in the church, I believe, is that so much growing up, you know, uh, prophetic ministry for us, you know, in my dad's church would look like somebody talking about, you know, you know, they would stand up and typically because ours was a more Pentecostal uh, background, it would be a thus saith the Lord. And, and, you know, there's, there's all of these, I, I shared some, uh, when I was here last time, some examples of some really, you know, off sort of prophetic words that were really funny, you know, but it's all this, uh, sort of perspective of, you know, there's doom, gloom, there's, there's destruction that, you know, if we go this way, there's going to be this and this. And yet what we see being instructed in, in uh, 2 Corinthians is that if we, if we stop and we speak to what is edifying, encouraging, and comforting, and yet th- that is negated for, no, we want to we be more that severe voice. Now, let me say this. There is a kingdom lens, I believe, a kingdom lens that, of what we see in the Old Testament that is seeing things through the lens of, of, a, of a stronger satanic kingdom. Because the enemy was in full swing. His, his, his rule had come in and, and the cross had not come. The resurrection had not come. There had not been that hinge moment. And I'm beginning more so to buy into for years. I would say that that sort of hinge pin moment when everything changed was at the cross. But I'm now beginning to believe that it actually was the resurrection. That at the time of the resurrection, everything was overturned. Everything was turned. Can you imagine Satan's absolute horror? Thinking at the cross, he had defeated Jesus. I've killed him. It's done. And I mean, the scripture, you know, talks about that he, he descended, you know, into hell and he leads captivity captive. Basically, you know, he clears out hell and he leads them in because they had not had that ability to make a choice. And can you imagine to Satan's horror seeing Jesus descend, if you will, if he's present in hell, we know that he really resides here on the earth, but he was present and just throwing out his arms, you know, to welcome him. Ah, something hooked you. 
Something caused you to, to bypass. Something caused you to fail. Something caused you to blow it. You know, when, uh, when uh, MacArthur, um, General MacArthur, at, at, when the Japanese were surrendering to him, the generals, it was supposed to be the emperor that was supposed to meet, and he was just, he, he did not come on the ship, and so there was these generals who came, and they went to express an American gesture, and they stuck out their hand to shake the general's hand. Of course, in Japanese culture, it would have been to bow. But instead, they, they went for a, what, something that would be a, something of saying, hey, we're going to yield to your culture. And it was a gift to give. If you understand Japanese culture, I mean, born in Japan, I've heard about that a lot of my life. And so reaching out their hand, General MacArthur reached past their hand and he said, I'll not have your hand, I will have your sword. Because the sword represented a continued fight and battle. And if you, if you were in continued possession of the sword, then you were saying, I'm still at war with you. And he reaches past and says, no, I'll not have your hand, but I will have your sword. And he would not shake the hands of the generals until they surrendered their swords. Well, can you imagine Satan's horror as Jesus descends? And I can just imagine him throwing his arms open and going, welcome, and reaching out. And Jesus saying, no, I'll not have your hand. I will have the keys to this place. This belongs to me. I just purchased it. I just overturned it. You know, and, and, and bypassing, you know, that, that sort of gesture. And you sort of have that picture. Well, at that point of the resurrection, there was, there was then an awareness. Notice there's no demonic, you know, sort of opposition coming at that point. Why? Because there was a complete defeat. That was a complete defeat. I mean, it wasn't a fullness of the kingdom restored as we know, but it was a complete defeat setting the course for that kingdom to come. All of that is all prophetic in speaking to what is to come and speaking to hope and transformation of the entire world. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge thing when you really stop and take a look at it and think of it. And so here, Jesus is setting the course. He's setting things in motion. And again, we see things from that kingdom. I mean, first time I ever experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys have heard me share this before. I'm being here before. You know, and I'm looking at this woman who's from Finland praying for people. And they're dropping like flies. And I'm getting angry. I'm getting furious. Why? Because I am seeing through Satan's kingdom lens. I was a pastor in that church. I'd been a Christian, you know, my entire life. I got saved at seven. I was born on the mission field, you know, all of this stuff. But I was seeing through Satan's kingdom lens. And what happens is so many people that we bring into an atmosphere where God's presence is moving. Why do they get afraid? Why do they get startled? Why do they get scared? Because they are still, I don't care if they've been ministers, you know, forever and ever. You know, John MacArthur that still sees through a kingdom lens that is a satanic kingdom lens, I believe. Why? Because he's seeing this as negative, as critical, as bad. He is seeing that. Most of you are looking at each other going, who? Uh, Never mind. But the point of it is, is as we see through that lens, we're going to either see the negative. But when we see through God's kingdom lens, through the kingdom of God's lens, we see life. And I've shared with you before, we could have a bunch of people up here being healed. We're either going to look through that kingdom lens. Satan's kingdom lens sees carnage, bloodshed, and annihilation. It's a bloodbath. 
But the kingdom of God lens sees, you know, the rainbow, the dolphins, the butterflies, you know, the pixie dust floating around. I mean, because that's God's kingdom perspective. And it all is through that lens that we see. And in the same way, the prophetic works like that. We can either speak life or we can speak death. You know, I love what Bill Johnson, when he talked about Elijah, you know, calling out the she-bears to eat up the boys who are making fun of the bald-headed prophet. Watch out. He says, that's a prophet on a bad day. It's just a prophet on the bad day. Was that God's will? Was that God's word? It's a prophet on a bad day. That's a pretty bad day for those kids too. The effects and the results of it. And I believe that that's really true. You know, if we're always seeing things and always hearing things from a critical perspective, if you want to see transformation in your family, begin to speak life. If you want to see your boss be nicer and be kinder, begin to make declarations over them by speaking what the scripture says, call those things that are not as though they are. Right? And if you're going to make, if you want to see that, that transform, now that is us calling to something. Is this helpful? Is this helpful? We had a rule in our church that you could never, when I was pastoring the church, the church I planted, we had a rule. You could never give a prophetic word to somebody about sin unless you went through a pastor first. You could never go and say, I see sin or there's sin or there's some issue or even hint to it. You had to channel that word through a pastor because we wanted to not only judge the word itself, we want to judge the spirit of the word. What's the spirit that it's giving it? Is it being given a... You've got sin, and I'm trying not to point to anybody, you know, I'm pointing at the aisle. You've got sin in your life, you've got, you know, and, and speaking that out. And until this goes, I, I remember I was, I was invited to a, a um, th- this group at Wheaton College was, uh, in, in, in the Chicago area was having this really vis- strong visitation of the Spirit. And it was a group that started off with about five, uh, three guys and two girls, I think, and it grew to over a hundred and I mean, the spirit was really moving there and, and I was so excited to go and I was hearing stuff about it. And they actually asked me to come and minister there. And they told me, they said beforehand, they said, here's the thing. They said, we're going to start off with intercession and prayer. We can't go into worship until all the sin is out of the room. And I was like, how long does this night go? Then tonight? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, don't worry. You know, it it happens every time. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to be interesting, (laughs) you know? And so sure enough, uh, this one young man who they considered to be sort of the prophet amongst them, you know, he gets up and he, he, you know, they start to pray and they're interceding, asking for the spirit to come, asking for a move of God to come, asking for revival to come and hit the campus, all this stuff. It was so cool. And then at one point they stop and they said, this guy stops and he goes, there is sin in the room. And I'm like, no joke. You know? <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at two thirds of this guys are young men in college with testosterone shooting through the roof. No joke. There's sin in the room. You know, that's, I don't even have a word from God and I could give that word and be accurate. I could throw a rock up in the air, hit somebody with sin in the room. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, Okay. And they were like, if, if, you know, we can't, you know, we can't go on until that's uh, exposed, until that's released. And so, you know, one guy's like, uh, it's me, you know, and he starts confessing this stuff. And I'm sort of sitting there going, I really don't want to hear this. 
I mean, this is stuff I really don't want to hear, you know, and he's going into all this detail and all this. And I'm like, oh, man. And then another starts and then another starts. And then and I'm looking at the watch and I'm like, uh, this is going this will never end. You know, and then finally, the, the guy who had given that word finally says, all right, I feel a release. I think it's enough. And I'm like, I think there's still sin in the <laughs> But I'm not going to say it because <laughs> I don't want to go on anymore. And so he's like, now we can start worship, you know. And so we start worshiping and I was like, now... You know, this is probably the real thing that really burns the room of sin right here is us just worshiping God and getting our focus off of our lust and our greed and selfish ambition and onto Jesus. You know, that's going to be the eliminator of sin in the room. And so uh, we go into worship and, and you know, and, and the, you know, the rest of the night, you know, we're pretty good. But I was talking to the leaders some sometime after and I said, you know, I said, you're coming in with this focus on everything that's wrong and everything that's out of order, rather than that very one that can clean and clear and, 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 and transform. And I said, I think if we get focused on that, because the people who are confessing here are not the newcomers to this group. They're the ones that have been around for a while. You know, they're the ones that were probably confessing the exact same list of sins the week before. The week before and they were like... Well, yeah, actually, that's true. That is true. And I was like, well, that's of course it is. But we have this thing that we sort of think that our job in the prophetic arena is to write things that are wrong. And yet that's not our job. Our job is to call to. Our job is to call to. I hope this is in line with what you're teaching around here. I mean, if, if not, throw it out and go with whatever you're being taught. But I hope this is in line. And this is just me just speaking from the heart. Because if we want to see things grow, we want to see things, speak things that are life. And speak things that, that are going to be powerful. I, I may have shared this here before, but I was in Norway and this, uh, we, there was this group, a large group of young people that were particularly a part of this group. And that came in and, and the, the guy, one of the, I was actually teaching on deliverance. And this one guy came to me and he says, you see that girl over there? I said, yeah, there was this beautiful, you know, Scandinavian, Norwegian girl. And uh, she's saying it. He goes, that this girl really needs what you're talking about. He goes, I mean, she has demons. She has. And he goes, man, she starts manifesting in worship. She starts. He goes, man, it's bad. He goes, she really needs. And right as he was explaining that, he goes, I don't know if you could carefully go and approach her and get her. He goes, I, I would I would bring her to you, but I'm scared of her, man. I'm terrified of her, you know. <laughs> And right as he was doing that, all of a sudden, he's like pointing this. She's behind over his shoulder. She starts coming that way. And I'm like, you know, and he doesn't see it. And she comes over and she goes, she didn't hear a word. He said that she goes, who are you talking about? And he's like, hi, you know, oh, we're talking about. He starts talking about his favorite rugby team. You know, and he's talking about rugby and he's like, oh, they just won and da 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 And I looked at her and I said, I said, sweetheart, can I tell you, we're talking about you. And he's looking at me like, what are you doing, man? You know, and I said, we're talking about you. She goes, I knew you were talking about, I knew. And she starts getting angry. She starts, I said, let me tell you what, what I see. Now, this isn't what we're talking about, but I'm speaking something. I said, I see that what the Lord says about you is you're going to transform nations. God is going to use you to break the power of darkness, 
Satan sees you as an absolute threat because you're going to transform people's lives. The Lord is raising you up. You and your husband are going to go to many nations. You're going to transform many places. God's hand is on you. He is shaping you. There's leadership inside of you. And as I started saying this, all of a sudden, she starts manifesting. Why? Because I'm calling out identity. The enemy doesn't want her to hear her identity. The enemy wants me to tell her that she's in sin. The enemy wants me to tell her how broken and screwed up she is and how jacked up she is and how she desperately needs to see transformation and all of that. He wants me to focus on that. He doesn't want her to hear the power of God that God is calling her to to use her to bring transformation to others. He doesn't want her to hear that. And so she's like, and she turns around and this poor guy is sitting in a chair, not facing us, who's talking to somebody and has no idea what's about to happen. She grabs the legs of his chair, flips him upside down, and he's in the air, you know, toppling to the ground and she throws the chair across the room. I mean, this is a skinny Norwegian chick. You know what I mean? And she just flips him up like a rag doll. And then she starts pounding him in his back. And she's like, ah! And he's like, what? What? You know? And I'm sure he's looking over his shoulder like, is this an ex-girlfriend that I didn't realize had just come into the room? You know? And as she's pounding on him, I stopped and I walked over and I said, by the authority of Christ, I said, get off him right now. And it looked like a spider jumping off of him and jumping onto the floor. And just like this is a carpet-covered concrete floor. So it was there. And she starts pounding her fist into the carpet-covered concrete, which is just, you know, tearing up her fist. And I begin to command all that to stop, begin to command it to stop manifesting. And, for it to, and she just drops to the ground. And then I went right back to making those prophetic declarations over her life. Went right back to speaking that... That life that would break that off. And see, that is the thing that is going to... This woman knew she was in trouble. She didn't need a revelation of sin. She didn't need a revelation of brokenness. She later, after the demons left, she gets up and tells me... I said, you know, I I don't know if this is accurate, but I said, I saw you like in a movie theater when you were early teen or preteen. And I said, something entered you in in this movie theater. And she goes, that's exactly right. She goes, a, a friend of mine who was a couple of years older took me to see this movie that was all uh, about these uh, two lesbians and this relationship. She goes, something entered me in. I felt it enter into my physical body. And she goes, from that point on, I was attracted to the same sex. And I had, you know, had come to this church looking for other girls to sort of woo into this, these relationships. And she goes, I haven't been able to stop myself. She goes, but I felt all that leave as you were praying. I felt that leave my physical body. She's now a leader in that church doing amazing things. She's working in a campus ministry. And if you follow my Facebook, she's the one who got the door open for me to go and speak at the, at the uh, Christensen Norway University. I mean, that was all her, three of that opened that door. All of that coming out of, it would have been easy to focus on what's the source of the brokenness. Rather than what's the source of the solution. What is God, what is the enemy trying to distort and rob? Does this make sense? I'm just making sure you're tracking with me. Sometimes you get quiet on me and I get a little bit nervous, like I've lost you somewhere. Now, with that in mind, let's, let's look at this scripture. Because there's something powerful about not just hearing. That broke that darkness off of her. That broke that darkness off of her. Speaking to the life, speaking to the effort. And we're like, but if we speak all these things of goodness, how are people going to not, how are they going to know where they're at? 
and brokenness. Let me tell you something. Everybody who's stuck in sin knows it. You know what I'm saying? People don't need, need a revelation that they're in sin. They're aware of it. They're aware of that place. They don't need that. They need, a, they need to see what Christ is calling us to in hope and transformation. So here's the deal. Second, Second Chronicles 18, Ahab and Jehoshaphat are facing an oppressor that are coming their way. And, and it doesn't look good. I don't know when I started here. I'm hoping I, that was just the introduction. <laughs> Hi, I'm Robbie. You know, that's, that's what that was. I'll try to be quick. I'll try to get through this quickly. That's what I was really talking for to try to get was that right there from... Yeah, he's always gracious though. So here's the, here, here they have all these uh, kingdoms coming in. Now I want to show you a distorted thing of this. I want to show you Satan's false lie of a prophetic where that's off. Okay? Because here... Ahab and Jehoshaphat are like, man, we've got these massive armies coming against us. They're coming to kill us. They're going to wipe out our countries, destroy our land. So they get together as kings. And, and, and you know, Jehoshaphat says, hey, you know, why don't you bring some of the prophets out? And he goes, great, I've got some spectacular prophets. And he brings these prophets out. And they start prophesying. They make these horns, this helmet with horns on it. And they said, with these horns, you will go into battle and you're going to drive back your enemy. You will overcome your enemy. You will totally annihilate your enemy. You will do man. And Ahab is just like, yes, 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 yes. Now notice all of those words are about Ahab, his leadership, his. And we know that Ahab is married to Jezebel. Ahab is not a pure king. He looks at, when he looks at, uh, you know, his communication of Elijah coming, he looks at Elijah and he says, you troublemaker of Israel. I mean, this guy is not a a recipient, well receiving of the word of God. So here he, he's, he's, uh, the, the prophets start doing, and the scripture says a lying, a lying spirit went out from the Lord into the mouth of the prophets. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. That passage puzzles me. It puzzles me. But I believe it puzzles me. I believe the reason why that it's a confusing passage is it's hard to understand. Why would there be a lying spirit? Go out from the Lord into the mouth of these prophets. What I think happens is when we don't, people are always looking from the standpoint of pronouncing words of judgment because of bad activity or bad behavior, things like that. It's not that God judges us when we aren't moving that direction, but God has this grace that is there for his people. But if we move out of that no zone, I call it, K-N-O-W, that relationship zone with him, and we move into other things, we move out from under that grace, and then we are suspect, we are, we are uh, vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. It's not God releasing judgment on us. It's not God throwing down, you know, lightning bolts and doing all those things. What you see taking place in Revelation is God annihilating Satan's kingdom. Not the world, not human beings. He's annihilating Satan's kingdom. The blood, the carnage, all this other is Jesus coming and delivering death blows to Satan's kingdom. And so when you, when you take that, but we see that from a perspective of judgment and being released of judgment. But what happens is we pull ourselves out, out from under that grace and then we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Does that make sense? 
And so we're moving ourselves out from under that umbrella of sort of New Testament grace and peace and joy. And we pull ourselves and whenever you're out from under that, it's the alternative that comes against you. Does that make sense? So a lot of us have a tendency to move towards that. And that was a perspective of prophets from the Old Testament because there was no understanding of grace unless God was just being benevolent at that time. There were windows of it. There was there was places and and then, you know, areas of it. And so what happens here is that all of a sudden Ahab has moved out of that place of relationship. He's moved out of that place of dependency on God and relying on God and looking to God as the source. And he's looking to the, even just the words of these prophets. We know that because he brings Micaiah and he comes in and he says, you know, Ahab hears or Jehoshaphat hears all these prophetic words. And he says to Ahab, he says, is not there a prophet of God in your midst? I mean, he's hearing all these words about victory. This sounds like positive words. This sounds like words calling to identity. But there's a falsehood in it because the heart of what is happening is not that of the heart of the father. Because that comes only out of relationship. Does that make sense? And so all of a sudden here we see, you know, Ahab is, is stopping and saying, or Jehoshaphat says, is there not a prophet of God? Ahab's response is, yeah, there is, but I don't like him. Why? He never prophesies anything I like. He doesn't prophesy anything I want to hear. And so he sends for him, he comes up from the dungeon where he's being kept. And as he comes up, the servant says, listen, say something nice to the king today. You know, don't give your typical, you know, stuff, but say something nice to the king. He's like, all right, you know, maybe this will get me a better piece of bread, you know, or something like that, you know, without worms in it or whatever. And so he comes up and he says, he says, go and pursue and destroy your enemy. And Ahab says, how many times have I told you not to lie to me? How many times have I told you, don't tell me lies. I've told you to tell me the truth. And he's like, all right, if you go, you'll die. And that same servant comes over, smacks him on the face and says, why didn't you say something good? He, I tried, man. And look what it got me. Okay, that last part I added to the text. It's not really there. But he comes back. And so here the army pursues, you know, the story, you know, Ahab's defeated. You know, Ahab's completely annihilated. But here, so, so Jehoshaphat is now facing these armies. And there's even more. You know why? Because Judah was more central, Israel more the perimeter. And so they had pursued them. Now they're coming after Judah. I mean, this is, this is not a good position to be in. Okay? That's just setting the stage. Is that, does that make sense? Now listen, to, listen to, to this. It says, after the armies, verse 1, after the armies of the of Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Midianites declared war against Jehoshaphat, messengers came and told Jehoshaphat of this vast army from Edom that is marching against uh, you from beyond the Dead Sea. They have already been at Hazar, Hazan Tamar. This is uh, the other name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and he begged the Lord for guidance. Now, this is a different posture. He's coming and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your help. I need guidance. He also ordered that everyone in Judah begin fasting. So people from all over the towns. Now, you would have to realize what was what was happening before in the gathering of these prophets 
was there was a lot of ceremony. There was a lot of, 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 of celebration. The, the, the expectation was for, you know, something positive to be said. There was an, expect, an expectancy of all these great lauding words. This is a different posture. These guys are going, guys, we got to get low. We've got to get low because you forget the pomp and circumstance. Forget the, you know, the, the, the celebration. Forget us having a feast out of this thing. This is us getting on our faces before God. We need to see something break through. And we're not quite sure how it's going to happen. It's a totally different posture. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are the powerful and mighty. No one can stand before you. Oh, our God, did not you drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived and did you not give this land for everyone uh, to the descendants of your friend Abraham now listen what what he is doing is he's taking a different posture than Ahab he's coming in notice the focus is not on himself he's turning the eyes of the people onto the father he's turning their eyes to the Lord He's not turning them to his abilities. He's not turning them to his plan of warcraft or how he's going to destroy. He's saying, we have no other help. We need to look up because there is no other option. We are in a bad place. And these guys are going to completely annihilate us. And I mean, he surrounded himself with these, with these women and children who are coming. And he says, oh, our God, did not you drive them out? And listen to what he goes on to say. I love this. And you gave this uh, to your descendants, Abraham, forever. Verse 8, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, plague, famine, that we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you and and you will save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. Now, what I love about this is Jehoshaphat is coming and he is reminding the Lord of the word that he has given his people. Man, that is one of the most powerful things you can do is say, God, you said. Father, you said this is what your word says. This is what I'm standing on because you said, you know, it's not really that God needs a reminder, but it's a statement of faith on our part to say, this is what I'm planted on. This is what I'm basing on. This is what I'm determined to follow. God, you've said. Your word has said. Man, think about every time that that Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted. You know, in Luke chapter 4, how that the the enemy is coming and saying to him, you know, know, turn the bread and and, uh, turn the rock into bread. And all of these temptations that are coming. Jesus responds every time with, it is written. What is he doing? Flashing his credentials. I am the word of God. It is written. He's quoting the word, but in doing so, he's showing his ID. He's showing his credentials. This is mine. This is already mine. You've stolen it. You're, you, you you have occupied, you're in occupied territory that own, that I own. And he's flashing his credentials every time. There is power in, 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 in communicating that. 
And so he comes and he says, it goes on, he's saying, this is your house. The word to us was, if you do this, this would happen. And so he says, we cry out to you, save us, and that you will hear us, and you will rescue us. And now you see these armies of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, and how they, what they are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. And they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. He's saying, you preserve them, now see. Now let me tell you something. It's so powerful when you come again and you remind God, listen, this, this was your kindness. This is, notice there is nothing here of Ahab that is, or excuse me, of Jehoshaphat that is building himself up. There's nothing here. He's not even, you know, because Jehoshaphat had issues in his own life of questioning. There was spiritual questionability. You see that at the end of the next chapter. I mean, he wasn't 100%. So who is he doing? He's flashing the credentials of his ancestors. Of the ones who received the promise. And let me tell you something. That's not necessarily a bad thing to do. My mom was one of the most godly people that I've ever known in my life. And you don't think for a minute I'm like, now you remember your daughter Rose. I know she was your favorite. And don't forget, I'm her kid and I kind of look like her too. You'll see pictures of her tomorrow for those of you who are here. I'm going to use them tomorrow in my message. Don't forget her. Don't forget your promises to her. Don't forget what you've spoken. And that's what he's putting out. There is no powering up here. There's no, we will this, we will that. There's no, there's no speaking of that. And, and, and it's, I think it's so important that we, as we become prophetic people, that we recognize this isn't about just a particular area, a particular church. This is about the broader perspective of the kingdom of God, the will and the purpose of God, but yet also the power of declaration of identity. I mean, man, you want to you want to break chains? I was just in Lexington last night, and there was a woman that was sitting on the second row. And I remember the first time that I that I met her, she came to me and started telling me how that her her son was a was a heroin addict, and was uh, then she, later she you know met me. She goes, you know, now he's on uh, crystal meth, and she started telling me all these things. And she goes, he's a horrible father. He can't keep a job. He lies all the time. She says he's got one little boy, and he's hardly ever there. And she starts listing all these things. And I looked at her and I said, what do you want to see happen? She goes, well, I want him to be a man of God. I said, then say that. She goes, I tell him all the time I want him to be a man of God. I said, no, declare over him that he's a man of God. But he isn't. But do you want him to be? Well, yes, but he's not. But what do you want him to be? Call those things that are not as though they are. Now, don't enable That doesn't mean that you give him access to your bank account. That doesn't mean that you give him the car all the time. That doesn't mean you may let him come live at home if he's being abusive. That doesn't mean that. You'll be smart in it. But yet declare over him. I said every time he says the slightest little thing good. So look look at what a great father you are. But he only wiped the baby's mouth. Tell him he's a great father for doing that. Make those declarations. Make, make those statements. So many times we stop and wonder, I don't know what happened with my kids. Typically, it's us. I mean, it's not like the school system just made them bad. We can blame that all at once, but typically it has to do with things we've spoken. And that can be turned around at any moment. That can be... Wow, you got really quiet there for, I mean, for a minute. Don't, don't take it personally. Do take it personally. <laughs> 
But if we want to see that transformed, we've got to call too. And let me tell you something. I, I, I saw that woman uh, the, a year later. And she goes, guess what? And I said, what? She goes, my son's holding down a job. And I said, really? And she goes, guess what? He's been spending time with his son. The son that he really never cared about before. And she goes, and he's not lying as much anymore. He's, he's starting to tell the truth more. I said, now, how do you think that started? She goes, well, he was still living with me. He came down one morning. I said, how you doing, man of God? He looked at me and said, what? She goes, how you doing, man of God? And he goes, me? And she goes, yeah. She goes, what, what did God speak to you in your dreams last night? You know, God speaks to men of God in their dreams. Did he, did he speak to you in your dreams last night? No, no. Okay, well, if he does, let me know. Because, you know, he speaks to men of God in their dreams. And he speaks to... All of a sudden, he comes down three days later. He goes, strangest thing. I had a dream about Jesus last night. <laughs> Why did that come? Because of the pureness of his relationship? No! She was speaking something out. And that was able to be fulfilled because she was releasing it. There's power in what you say. There's power in that. There's a declaration. Is this helpful? All right. You sure? Okay. If it's not, I'm not stopping. We'll just keep going. So that's just the way it is. I'm sweating up here. I hope you're getting something out of this. (laughs) That wasn't a complaint about air or anything. That's just, I'm just, I'm worked up. Now, I love this. He says, all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. Man, one of the most powerful things you can do is let your children watch you worship. I mean, and you're like, well, we've got children's ministry. I, I'm talking about at home. It's so much better than at church. Because then it, it, they, they're like, oh, they mean it. Let them watch you worship in the car. Let them watch you work. Let them watch you in every day. Man, just watching you come before the Lord. I mean, this is powerful. And he said... Their little children and the spirit of the Lord came on one of the men standing there. All of this. Now, let me let me get back. Let me. Sorry, I skipped the verse here that I wanted to make sure and read. He says, see how they reward us. Now, look at this. And he says, this land is an inheritance that you gave. What is he saying? This is yours. He's telling God, this is your land. He's not like I'm king. This is mine. This belongs to me. I, I, I No, this is yours. Best posture you can be in if you want to see something transformed. And he says, oh, he says, oh, our God, won't you stop it? We are powerless against these mighty, this mighty army. Now, let me tell you, as a leader, that all leadership coaching would tell you that is a big mistake for Jehoshaphat to say right there. Leadership would say, no, never let him see your guard down. Never let him see you hopeless. Never let him see you in a place. But Jehoshaphat, man, he recognizes. He's putting all of it for Jehoshaphat. It was the best thing that he could do. Because this wasn't going to be just let's rally the troops. Let me tell you something. I am sick of, of seeing groups that just try to not cast a negative thing. There's something to say about honest assessment of condition. But you always bring that honest assessment to a place of declaration of, of, from the God's perspective that he's calling us to. And so it's not that you stay fixed on the, 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 the assessment of brokenness or need or lack. 
but of coming to something. Here, Jehoshaphat is saying, we're hopeless again. He's just stating a reality. We don't stand a chance unless you show up. Now, from God's perspective, it's the best place for you to be in. Because that's where you're the most desperate. Man, let me tell you something. You'll never bypass this place of of being in a place of of desperation. Randy Clark uh, was talking to John Wimber when when Randy, after the Toronto blessing started and ministry started to take off. And John Wimber looked at Randy Clark and he said, Randy, he said, be wise with your money. But let me tell you something. You'll never have enough money to do what, what you want to do for God. He said, never. And Randy goes, well, John, that's not very encouraging. And he goes, let me tell you something. God will never let you have enough. And he's like, well, that's really discouraging, John. Why? And he says, because he always wants you pushing into him. He always wants you in utter dependency on him. Always. God's just like, I want you and pushing into me where you have no other place to look to. That's the best place we can be. And so he's looking at this place of, because you guys got to remember, this is the upside down kingdom. This is where the weak are made strong. Always keep that in perspective in these types of things. When you look at these scriptures, this is opportunity. What looks like a horrible position and a horrible place to be is actually an incredible miraculous opportunity for God to kick in and do the miraculous. Your, your, your struggle, your pain, your difficulty is an incredible kingdom opportunity. It's an opportunity to cry out to God and see the miraculous. And God will keep us in that place of needing that breakthrough in order to see that miraculous come. You wouldn't have the Red Sea departing if you didn't have the most powerful army, you know, pursuing, you know, a group of slaves that had no, no proper weaponry to defeat them. You know what I mean? That was a miraculous thing that took place because of their utter dependency. All right, let me move on. Are you guys all right? I'm not exhausting you, am I? Okay. So it says this, and I love this. It says, King Jehoshaphat. Now, I, this, this, I got to go back. I keep getting ahead of myself here. He says, uh, then finally, uh, I love this. It says, uh, the spirit of the Lord came upon uh, one of the men standing there. His name was Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of a bunch of other guys. Now, let me say, let me say this. Let's just call Jehazel Bob. (laughs) Jehazel is named Bob, right? It's just Bob. Bob gives this word. He speaks this prophetic word. Okay. He's giving a prophetic word here. And so Bob speaks up and he says, he said, listen, all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen to King Jehoshaphat. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged uh, uh, for, uh, by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now that's an encouraging word, right? And it could have just stopped there, but it goes on. Listen. He says, the battle is not yours, but it is, it is God's. That's the, whenever I do that, it's because I lost track and I'm trying to find my place again. <laughs> he says, but you, he goes, uh, the battle's not yours, the Lord. Tomorrow, in verse 16, tomorrow march out against them and you will find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jerel. But you will not need to fight them. Take your positions... Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. 
He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Now, if you take a look at this, this is about three sentences long. Three or four. This is not that long of a word. But the instructions are pretty specific. Guys, you don't have to fight tomorrow. You just go out and we watch the battle. Now, what comes in and the question is, do we take our swords anyway? Do we take our shields anyway? Do we take, what do we do? How do we respond to that? How do we react to that? What do we do? And the scripture doesn't say necessarily how they responded in, in meet, you know, with, with what they took with them the next day. But take a look at this. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. Kings did not do that in the presence of their subjects. They didn't do that. But Jehoshaphat is humbling himself. Right now, he recognizes his posture is not, and his position is completely unnecessary if they are annihilated. He's bowing to the king of heaven. He's yielding to the king of heaven. He's yielding to the Lord of heaven and earth. And King Jehoshaphat bowed low to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord their God of Israel with very loud shouts. Now again, this is a word coming from Bob. Keep that in mind. Imagine that word coming out of your midst. Now listen, it says early the next morning, The army of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, now listen, they're marching out. They're going out. But Jehoshaphat stops them. And I've always wondered, why did he stop them? Why did he stop them? I think what he says next gives a slight indication of the reason why. I can't prove it. You can't disprove it. They gave me the mic. I can kind of say what I think about this. Okay. You can judge whether or not you agree with it. But it says, and on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped them. He says, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will be and you will succeed. And what I think happened is on the march on the way, all of a sudden our people are going. Do you realize we're not going with any weapons? Do you realize we are going out against these three vast Armies that just wiped out the bigger army that surrounds us, destroyed all of our protection. We are going out all because Bob had a word. We are talking Bob here. Do you remember the last men's outing we had? He's the one with the smelly feet. That's Bob we're talking about. And then somebody else, I saw Bob kick the dog the other day. Now I saw Bob holler at his kids out in the, you know, in the foyer. This is Bob we're talking. I mean, Bob doesn't have his faults. We're hanging our lives on a word that Bob has given. And when you think about it, that's kind of scary. It's like somebody in our midst right here giving that word and all of us going out tomorrow. This is sort of a scary occurrence. Jehoshaphat stops him and he says, what? We believe in Bob? No. We believe in the Lord. Our focus is in the Lord and his ability. We're not hanging our hats on Bob. We're hanging our hat on what God has said. We're hanging our, uh, we're hanging our trust on him. 
And I love this because all of a sudden, this, this sense of, of, of Bob sort of falls away, but yet he says something to validate. He goes, we will believe the prophets. We don't know that Bob was a prophet. He's the son of all these other guys. This is clearly necessarily distinct to him. Give him a distinction as a prophet. But Jehoshaphat is saying, we are relying on this word as a word from God. Now, let me tell you this. I say all of that to get to this point. There's sometimes the word from the individual we're not quite sure about. I mean, let's just face it. Balaam could have questioned the fact that his donkey may not have been the purest vessel. (laughs) Right? Balaam could have stopped and said, you know what? I don't know. But yet seeing this, this occurrence, seeing this, he's like, we are trusting. We are going to, there is a power in the fact that you believe it and trust in it. There's a power in there. There's an authority in there and compound that with the fact that it is clear. It is something that is a word from the Lord, man, you're putting, you're putting strength behind it. You're putting emphasis behind it. And Jehoshaphat is saying, listen, guys, we basically, he's like, first of all, there is no plan B. There is no other option. We are outmatched. We are beat. We are defeated already. And so this is our only option to follow this. Now look what happens next. And I love this. I love this. After consulting the people. Now I always thought this was an instruction from God. But it wasn't. This is after and after consulting the people. Listen to what he says. He says, after that, the king appointed singers to walk ahead the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they said. Give thanks to the Lord. He is faithful and his love endures forever. And they're just singing that. It's like looping over and over and over. That is what's leading. This was not a directive. This was a sacrifice. This was an offering that's being given. This is saying no. Now let me tell you what happens. When we let our mouths lead our hearts, our hearts follow. The king's being very wise. This isn't a, hey, let's just do this. This would be kind of cool. No, this is he's trying to get it into the hearts of the individuals. You need to believe this. And you need to realize our eyes isn't on Bob. Your eyes aren't on Jehoshaphat. Your eyes are on God's faithfulness. Your eyes are, and that's what worship does. It takes our eyes off of our circumstance and it puts us, it puts us in a place of expectancy, doesn't it? It gets our eyes off of that and puts us, so then what happens is, it says, at that very moment, at that very moment that they get their eyes off the circumstance, at that very moment that they get their eyes off the worry, thinking, oh my goodness, this is Bob we're talking about. Now, can you imagine? I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's Bill, the popcorn guy. You know, Bill's got a popcorn machine and he's like, man, tomorrow they're going to go watch. I'm going to make popcorn. I'm going to sell all kinds of popcorn. This is going to be great. This is people are going to be hungry. They're going to watch the bat. This is amazing. He stocks up on popcorn. They start heading over the hill. They look down and it says at that very moment, they begin to sing and give praise to God and get their eyes off the circumstances. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against the allies of Mount Seir. 
And they killed every one of them. And then they destroyed the army of Seir. And they began attacking each other. So that when the army of Judah had arrived at the lookout point, the place God told them to go watch the battle, in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as the eye could see. Not a single one of them had escaped. Not a single one of them. Can you imagine this? What a sight. Now, poor Bill. He's like, nobody wants popcorn now. I've totally missed out on my entrepreneurial opportunity. It has bypassed me. And they go out and they see carnage. Now, why people did this, I don't understand. I don't understand these times how they thought about this. It says, but as far as the eye could see, not a single one of them had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. Now listen, this is why these people would go to war and go, oh, grab all the computers in the house. Let's go. You know, grab all the family jewelry, you know, grab great grandma's, you know, ring and her, her, you know, her wedding band. They took all of this stuff, all their treasures, all their wealth to go to a battlefield. And so they're defeated and there's just all this treasure. Like why they did that doesn't make any sense to me. But here it's to the benefit of this army. And they not only see their enemies destroyed, but they see provision come. Let me tell you something. That is a fruit of believing the word of the Lord instead of circumstances. It's not only the annihilation of an enemy or the, or the ceasing of a problem, but it's the provision and the blessing, the overabundance of God that comes. Why? Because he's a lavish God. Guys, the point of this is, is if we look at circumstances... And we come from the position of giving prophetic words based on circumstances. We will always see, I believe, from Satan's counterfeit kingdom. But if we peer through the lens of God's kingdom, we will always see true identity. We always see hope. We always see transformation. Jehoshaphat's perspective of is we can't defeat them. God doesn't come in and say, you're right. God comes in and says, Listen, now stand still and watch. Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. Watch, watch my hand. Watch my work. Now see, that's what, that's what this voice of this prophet brings. Not what the circumstances are saying, but what God's perspective is communicating. The kingdom lens of God's perspective. And that's the prophetic eye that we have to have. How does the father see this situation? How does the father... Let me tell you something. A nation... A nation that looks like it may be in trouble politically is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to break in. It's an opportunity for an uprising of the spirits. It's not an opportunity to seek out another's election. It's an opportunity to see a massive revival, to see a stirring, armies mounting up against this nation. It's an opportunity for God's kingdom to break in. Shift your kingdom perspective. 
shift your eyes away from what the negative sees and see, oh, wait a minute. We're not looking for political hope. That is not the answer of the world. We are looking to a king who rules and reigns. This is an unshakable kingdom. This is a kingdom whose king is without end and rules forever and ever. It totally topples every other kingdom it encounters. I'm jacked up now. (laughs) See the opportunity. Oh man, people on both sides are in devastation. People on both sides are in devastation. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Kingdom. A kingdom without end. A king who's never wrong. A king who we don't have to fear. That is going to hurt and afflict and wound his people. But it's going to prosper them. That is what we usher in. To be the hands and feet of Jesus. Oh my friends, we have an incredible opportunity. Not a perspective of devastation and disaster. But an opportunity for revival. To shake our nation. And to shake the world. I got a call a couple of days ago. From somebody who works for a federal agency in the United States. It sort of tells you what agency. We saw your post. We saw where you're going. Don't you realize what's going on there? Don't you realize every horrible thing they were telling me. With each killing of each believer they're telling me. Over and over and over. I said, you are affirming to me. Now's the time. Now's the time. Why? Because we see through a different kingdom lens. This is not a kingdom lens of self-preservation. This is a a kingdom lens of spending yourself for the kingdom. Of going all in. I said, sir, you don't understand. You're seeing from a different perspective. I hear everything you're saying as an opportunity for a mighty revival. From mighty stirring, from mighty moving, from mighty uh, uh, work of God to come and move. But you see, my friends, we have to always see from that kingdom. You have to remember, Paul gets a prophetic word before he goes back to Jerusalem. If you go, you're going to be killed. Oh, I better not go. Does he do that? No. Does that, that doesn't mean that every time you have to do that. I'm not saying you have to be me. But we have to stop and say, I'm going to follow the voice of the Lord. Not the voice of circumstances. Not the voice of what's going to say this other. Because those voices will always be with you. Every voice I heard was saying, don't move to Aurora, Illinois. They were telling me, you'll be dead in two years if you go. I was like, that sounds like a place where Jesus should go and plant a church. (laughs) Just simply because you say that. Oh, my friends, I hope you hear what I'm saying. I hope you hear by the Spirit. See every opportunity. This, this is at Walmart. This is in your job. This is in your home. Everywhere you go where people are seeing hopelessness and bring the kingdom, bring hope, bring life. Bob delivers the word, but God delivers the victory. God delivers the victory. All right. I've talked long enough. Some of you, the enemy's been coming against. Some of you have been getting knocked around. Some of you, there's been discouragement that's been coming. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now.
close your eyes. Please. See the darkness of your struggle. Maybe it's a diagnosis that isn't good. Maybe it's a creditor or mortgage company that's brought bad news. Family member that's in devastation. And it's crushing your heart. Now in the middle of that. See Jesus. And he turns and he looks at you. And does something quite odd. He gives you a little wink. And says, we got this. We got this. We don't take our direction from circumstances. We trust the king of glory. Whose kingdom is without end. The unshakable kingdom. Holy Spirit. fall on us here. Many of you came because you need a prophetic word. I say you are the prophetic word. You're the prophetic word for your family members. You're the prophetic word for your neighbors. You are the prophetic word for your work. You are the word that God wants to release. Fill us now, Holy Spirit. Let the kingdom lens change from one of hardship or devastation or difficulty. a lens of expectancy of seeing our king show up because he's got this just be filled with that hope right now be filled with that right now Some of you that you're here because you need breakthrough in, in a, a serious health condition. You have a serious health condition. And I mean it's serious. And like, like a, you need an absolute miracle to take place. If that's you, I want you to come and stand. But it's serious. And that doesn't mean you just need healing. 
That's going to come next. But you're a serious help. I want you to come and stand right here in the middle. But stay to the middle portion. Come now if that's you. Let's form a straight line right here. There's more. Yeah, just come right up over here. Come right up over here. There's others of you that you have a serious financial situation. And I mean, it's serious. Like you're losing a home or there's serious... If you don't have a job, I mean, your creditors are, and it's serious. I want you to come and stand right here to, to my right, if that's you. This is not a time to be ashamed or time to be shy. or time, Listen, we are all, we're in that place of saying, we're here because your name is in this house and we don't have alternatives here, okay? But you're in financial, serious financial. There's another call and it's for family. I want you to, if you could, please come over here if you would. With the red hat and the lady there, please come to this side because I need that space right here. So others of you that you're in, you have family members. It's in a bad place with family. Maybe you're facing a possible loss of relationship uh, or it could be a divorce or, or, there's, or there's family members that are just turned away. You, you have no communication with family members. Guys, try to make a, a, just a, a line. Just come closer to the steps. Just right across there if you would. Yeah. Come all the way up to the step. And then you guys, in the second one, come up here and fill this space in all the way to the wall and to the side. And here's the second call. There's those of you that need healing in your body, but you're not in in serious place like this. But you need healing and you need, you know, may not be a, a serious diagnosis, but you need healing. I want you to come and stand behind these guys up here in this line. And you need healing. Second is you have, you got debt or something that you're struggling with. It may not be losing in your home or car or something like that. But that's you. I want you to stand behind these guys up here. Okay? This is all for healing. All of it is for healing. Okay. It's kind of come in lines behind it. But the other is that there's financial needs. Again, you've got debt or something or... Maybe uh, you're being levied by the IRS or something. And come stand right behind these guys. Everybody's understanding that the people in the first call are the most desperate, right? You guys in the first line, the first rows, I want you to turn around to the people in the second row. Now listen to me. You guys in the first line, you're going to pray for the people in the second line. You're going to minister out of your need. You're going to minister out of your desperation. For those of you that are in the third line, I want you to turn and face the people in the fourth line. And so forth. But you people, you guys have come up here for, for them because these guys are going to pray for you. And I want you guys there, yeah, face each other and pray. Now, here's the deal. 
We aren't going to minister out of the place. You're in the place of most desperation. But notice in the place of biggest desperation. Jehoshaphat gave. He gave. People are even questioning on the way. Is this right? Are we hanging our hats on Bob? Really? And he gives even more. He gives more than what the Lord asks for. So what I want you to do is out of the desperation that you need breakthrough for yourself. I want you to pray with that level of desperation for the people in the second row or the fourth row. And I want you to ask them what they need breakthrough for, what they need in their health, what they need in family. But you guys in the first row are praying for the people in the second row, not vice versa. The people in the second row, when they are done, they will pray for you. But I want you to start with that with each other, okay? Go ahead, ask them now. As you pray for them, you, I want you to prophetically declare over them breakthrough that you need for yourself. I want you to speak that prophetic breakthrough that you need for yourself over them. Give out of what your need is. Let me tell you, there's going to be amazing testimonies come out of this. Some of you guys back at your seats, you're just, you're just wanting just refreshment of the spirit. Some of you are just like, man, I just need a fresh touch from God. I just want to pray. Raise your hand or stand up if that's you and raise your hand if that's you. Stand up if you want prayer for that and raise your hand. You guys sitting around them, turn around and look at these people and, and reach over and pray for them. Just pray a blessing on them right now. Lord, we thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for blessing. We thank you for lavishing your love. You guys sitting around, listen, this is not a spectator's thing. Turn around and and some of these guys up here that stood up, come and pray for them right now. Don't extend your hand, place your hand on them. Let them hear your prayers. Let them hear your words and speak. Once you've received prayer from them, then turn around and let them pray for you. Or, you know, it, once you've given, now receive. 
Push out and make some prophetic declarations over them right now. When you're done, I want you just to, I want you to, as soon as you're done, I want you to turn back and face this way, if you would. If you're not done, keep praying. Don't, don't break away from that. Many of you, I heard the Lord say that many of you, you're going to have, you're going to have what Daniel called night visions tonight. Many of you are going to have those visitations of the spirit. I, I just hear the Lord saying that. And I want you to just put your hands out right now and just say, Lord, just, I receive that. I receive that in the name of Jesus. We just break all distraction of circumstance off of us. We break all distraction that would try to rob us even of health off of that, off of us. And Lord, we just declare kingdom breakthrough. The Holy Spirit, come just fall on us right here. If you're, if you're standing out, if you're sitting out, stand up if you would. Just stand up for a minute. Holy Spirit, just fall on us right here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Let your kingdom come. Just be filled right now. Be filled right now.
More, Lord. Fill us up. Come, more, Lord. here. More. More. More, Lord. Many of you, you're just feeling the weightiness of God's presence on you. You're just feeling that on you. Just raise your hand right now. Let me see it. Some of you are just feeling that electricity of his spirit. If you're feeling that, raise your hand. Turn it up, Holy Spirit, right here. Turn it up. More, Lord. More. Fill. Fill. Where there's been weeping, now let laughter be released. Where there's been mourning, a baptism of joy. (sighs) More, Lord. (sighs) Phil. Phil. More, Lord. (laughs) Fill him up, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Be filled. More, Lord. For those of you that are back at your seats, if you're feeling that on you now, raise your hand again. If you're feeling that on you. And if you have your hand raised, come up here if you would. Some of you, your legs are shaking or your heart's racing or or tingling, or heat on you. If you're feeling any of that, just come forward right now. More, Lord. God never withholds from us. Never withholds from us. He's a good father. Turn it up, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Turn it up. More, Lord. Fire fall right here. Let your fire fall in this place. We didn't come to leave the same way we walked in. We came for an encounter with you, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. If you're back at your seat and you just want that, just step up. If you, even if you're not feeling that, but you just want that. More, Lord. Turn it up, Holy Spirit. Increase. Increase. More, Lord. Go deep, Holy Spirit. Yeah. More, Lord.
One. One. One, Lord. Let it spread. More. filled more fill us up more Lord just let us spread more more Holy Spirit more Baptism of joy. More, Lord. More, Lord. Fill us up. It's all over you. More, Lord. It's all over you right now. More, Lord. Turn it up, Holy Spirit. Turn it up, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Just right here. More. Turn it. Increase. Just more. Increase. Go deep. Go deep. Go deep. Just be filled. Be filled. Drink deep. Drink deep. More, Lord. Turn it up. Again, if you're feeling that on you, raise your hands right now. Raise your hands if you're feeling that on you. Raise them high so I can see them. Keep your hand up. If you see somebody with their, not, their hand not up, I want you to lean over and put your hand on them right now. And just say, Lord, give them whatever you put on me. I release to them right now. Some of you is right back behind you, over there, all over here. Yeah, more, Lord. More. Just reach over. Begin to bless them with it right now. Just say, Lord, what you place on me, I release to them. Speak it out loud. Don't whisper it. Yeah, be filled. More, Lord. Increase. Many of you, you're encountering God's glory. Some of you, just look at your hands. You're going to see gold dust on your hands. Just God's manifest glory on you. Just take a look at your hands. Take a look at what's even on you. Just some of you, just, it's just, it's on you now. Just, Lord, we just release that glory. Again, just put those hands on other people. If you see that, raise your hand if you see that in your hands. It's all over. I could, there were several people as you prayed. I could just, it was almost like I could see it coming. There, just reach over and put those hands on people right now and just say, Lord, I just release it to them in Jesus' name. Just as we dismiss tonight, that's what we're dismissing is the spread of his glory, the spread of his fame. We don't worship the manifestation, we worship the giver. Yeah, just release that, just release that. 
Just release that glory of his presence to others right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. As you come back tomorrow, come in expectancy. God's got so much to release to us. Amen. Keep praying for each other. If the Lord's on you, keep receiving. If not, just reach over again to some of the guys who are sitting back. Just go lay hands on them and bless them just as you go, okay? Amen. You have encountered to be an encounter. Give away what you've received here tonight. God bless you guys.